Blog Talk Radio. No matter where you are, good morning, good afternoon, and good evening. Thank you for tuning in to Locker Talk on the Bachelor News Radio Network, where you'll hear about NFL stars of tomorrow today. I'm your host, Barry Barnes, founder and CEO of Locker-Report.com. And you guys can follow me on any one of my social handles on Twitter at Locker underscore report, on Instagram, Locker Report 100, all small caps. On Facebook, LockReport.com, and also check out the Lock and Talk podcast on Facebook. But most importantly, make sure you guys subscribe. Subscribe on YouTube to the Lock and Talk podcast, where you'll see the, the video version of this show. But if you don't want to get the video, video uh, version of this show, which you should, you guys can always go to the Bachelor News Radio Network, where you can hear me anytime, seven days a week, 24 hours a day, Anytime you want to, you can always tune in to our proud network and the Bachelor News Radio Network. So make sure you guys always stay tuned in and always be plugged because you never know what I'm going to talk about in regards to the NFL, talking about the players who came through the NFL Regional Combine. You might miss out on some big names early so that you guys will not be surprised when these guys actually become stars in the league. You can always say to your friends that I, I knew about this guy about couple of years ago. He's not new to me. It's nothing like having an edge and have NFL information uh, more than what your close friends may have or may know. For you to be ahead of the game, that's always a cool thing when it comes down to sports, especially in NFL, which I always talk about. Now, bad news. I have some good news and bad news. Last week was the Super Bowl. Bad news is uh, we won't have no more plans the playing season is over all the way up until August or September. What are they going to do for us with the preseason? But the playing season is over. However, the NFL season continues, especially on this network, lockadashreport.com. I tell you, this is where the rubber uh, meets, the, uh, meets, the ground, uh, meets the ground, where everything started to take place right after the Super Bowl, where evaluations and looking at talent and getting ready for the upcoming season, talking about the 2021 so things are going to be a little heavy moving forward with that. Now, during the course of the show, towards the end of the show, I'm going to pretty much give you an idea and heads up on what we are going to talk about on Locker Talk. Just because the playing season is over does not mean that this show is over. Actually, this show actually kicked into its gear. During the playing season, believe it or not, on Locker Talk, that's like the downtime. <laughs> believe it or not, that's almost like the downtime. You know, the playing season is pretty much – uh, of, of a review of what's going on for the players from the regional. So from this point on is where the work really kicks in, where it's, where it's time to, like, really look in depth into the next season. And we're going to get into that um, later on the show. But first, before we move forward, we have to talk about Super Bowl 55. Now, Super Bowl 55 was fantastic, and it was awesome mainly for one reason. That was my first Super Bowl coverage, yes. That was the first time 
I was able to cover a Super Bowl, lockerdashreport.com, this young black African-American publication that's small, starting to get rolling here on a national level. Um, still, I would say as far as the NFL coverage, it's still under the radar because we don't focus on the major news in regards of the NFL. We leave that for all the big boys. But when you look at your meat and potatoes, I would say the background, um, I would say the foundation, the, the cornerstone of the NFL and finding talent and finding finding unknown talents, getting these guys, um, I would say, recognized in front of the 32 to hopefully at least get a workout. The job is to at least get in front of them. When the players get in front of the scouts, then it's all on them. And with the encouragement that I have, that when I talk about certain players, I believe that as soon as they get in front of the scouts, they're going to take it from there and they're going to do well, and then from there, sky's the limits. So with my coverage, with the coverage that we have here on you know, LockerDashport.com, that's reported on Locker Talk, really shows that small black business, small black publication is hanging in there with the big boys, and it's only a matter of time, folks, it's a matter of time that you guys will say to your, you know, to your friends, and to yourself that, hey, you was in on something, listening to a program before it went mainstream. And it's going to happen, going to happen a lot sooner than expected. And I thank L.A. for an opportunity to be able to be ahead of the game. Well, coming on his network, allowing me to have this uh, program. Uh, he actually been had <laughs> been on me for two years previously before I even said yes. You know, when I saw the direction that L.A. was going and how everything was going on the Bachelor News Radio Network, I said, yeah, I, I can I can put my roots in here. I had tons of other offers, but this network was more, I would say, more seasoned, uh, had more of a vision, more of a focus, and most importantly, was very, very consistent. And that's the thing that you will get from the Bachelor News Radio Network, that the consistency of this network will always, always be really really on par, and you never have to worry about anything going on, anything going wrong, or anything being mishandled. So that's why I like and love this network. So with all that being said, Super Bowl 55, thank the Lord for that. And also, Tom Brady won a seventh ring. Now, that's one thing I know L.A. probably was driving crazy about, but the greatest quarterback of all time just cemented. He cemented that for me when he won his fifth one. But that was a great game. Got a bittersweet with the outcome. Happy that he won. But, however, when it comes to the NFL Regional Combine, and I was not surprised that they he ended the streak for NFL Regional Combine players of at least one player since 2013 to win a Super Bowl ring. So, yes, 2013, B.J. Daniels, um, quarterback, former quarterback for the Seattle Seahawks, he's a backup, and Vincent Imaiway, who's now back with, the Seattle Seahawks and the defensive end, they were the first two to win Super Bowl rings. And then from there, you know, each year was always different players. But they set everything off in 2013. And last year when the Chiefs won, Austin Ryder, he was the recipient along with Tim Ward to win Super Bowl rings um, coming from the platform. Now, of course, the Chiefs made it back to the Super Bowl again, and Austin uh, Ryder was uh, still a part of the Chiefs as their starting center. A fantastic, fantastic season this year. You know, close to 900 snaps he participated, and not once this entire season 
did he get caught for any penalties at all. The year before when he first came onto the Chiefs, he was um, flagged five times for holding. This year, not one single penalty was called against Austin this season. And in Super Bowl 55, and I know that Patrick Mahomes took a beating, which I'm glad he did. But anyway, he took a beating in this matchup. Not surprising because the way how Patrick Mahomes played, he liked to always run around extend plays, going outside the uh, going going outside the box. I would say the pocket because he liked to roll out and make plays and extend plays, and that's just his style of play. And when you go up against a Buccaneers team that has edges, speed rushes on the end that are very athletic, those guys it actually plays right into their right right into their skill set with the way how Mahomes play. So these guys was able to get after him and beat on him. The part that I take away that was a good thing was that as far as that pressure up the middle, Austin did a pretty good job in trying and keeping that middle, not having too much of that pressure in Patrick's face. With him going up with Vita Vita, that was a strong, strong matchup that Austin had to go up against. And he did his job in that game. A lot of times keeping a lot of that pressure out of Patrick's face. But you've seen Patrick all of a sudden rolling to the outside, left and right, the edge rushes was there, and then it's the course of the game come when you got Dominican Sue and those guys coming in and keep pounding. Eventually, they started to get their way through up the middle to even force more stuff, but that came in late in the game. But Austin did a fantastic job, the best that he was able to do in that matchup. He participated in 100% of all the 75 offensive snaps that the Chiefs had in Super Bowl 55. So in all 75, snaps he was in on or every last play and on special teams he participated in three special team snaps in this matchup so Austin definitely in this game playing very hard all the way to the end not once did he give up not once did he back down so that was the best part about the matchup and watching Austin's performance in this game in Super Bowl 55 so that was a good 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 showing for Austin part Mike Dana rookie linebacker from out of Michigan, you know, he was he was able to get his tackle. He got one tackle in Super Bowl 55. He participated in 19 snaps. So he participated in 20%, I mean 28% of the defensive plays in this matchup. Uh, he had a, it was a play that he had on the tackle on when, when um, Leonard Fournette, in the um, early second quarter, Leonard Fournette was trying to get to the outside. Mike Dana was there to help force him from not going up the middle, but forced Leonard to bounce to the outside to his left, and Mike Dana was able to come around and then finish and finish the tackle off with one of the defenders trying to grab him around his legs, and Mike Dana actually finished him from up, up top. So that was Mike um, Dana's sole tackle in Super Bowl 55 in, like I said, 19 snaps in that matchup. So he did what he was able to do the best way he could in that matchup. So that was really, really great on his part. Um, when we look at Tim Ward, now I'm not surprised, Tim Ward for the Chiefs defensive end. Last year he was on IR, so he didn't he did not get a chance to play. This year he was able to get his first NFL action in week seventeen. And in week seventeen against the Chargers, he had a great performance, a great showing, showing that he is, you know, slowly getting the game, get, letting the game come to him. And I know there's not a lot you can weigh in on just one game, 
but he did show some things in that game. I mean, when you look at that game, you could tell that he was a little winded late in that game because the NFL speed being injured for the whole year, it, it can, you know, put a little wear and tear on you. However, still finish his, his NFL debut with five tackles, which is a lot, including his first career sack. His first career sack came coming against Justin Hubert, rookie of the year for the Los Angeles Chargers. And also Mike Dana, <laughs> he actually got his first NFL sack on the same quarterback this year. So with that being said, Tim Ward played, made his debut in week 17, but unfortunately he did not see the field during the entire postseason. And, you know, Steve uh, Spagnoli, you know, he's a, a, a solid defensive coordinator. And you never know what kind of wrinkles or certain, you know, schemes he will put or players he'll put into the game. So I had my fingers crossed, hoping to see number 90, that big 6'6", 285-pound uh, defensive end on the field. But I did not get a chance to see him because he, didn't, he did not come on the field and he did not participate in any of the special teams, um, special team snaps as well. So that was something um, there to look at as well. Now, while I'm at the game, and I know you guys all saw it, and I hope that uh, something that the NFL can get a, a hold on is that we had this streaker running on the field, and I guess he's a foreign guy. I'm not even going to try to pronounce his name. I think it was um, Yo Yoher Andrea. That was his name. Well, while we was at the game, and I got to tell you this before we go to the break, uh, it was like a blur. You know, Patrick Mahomes and Chiefs ready to line up on the field, and next thing you know, we've seen this dude just come flying down the field, and that's when all of a sudden the officials call the timeout. And then when you at the game, and when you're on the media center, you have monitors around, and so saw the television monitor, and then also you see the monitor for CBS truck on there as well. Then you see what's going on in the field, um, knowing that they went to a quick commercial, but. On the field, and y'all guys probably had already seen it, was how he ran down the field and he had a lot of security guys trying to tackle him. And then right before he got across the goal line, one good thing, he ducked down because that one security guard was really big, was ready to destroy him. And I would have to admit, it was so funny because in that stadium, the fans got really pumped. I mean, they cheered for these guys like they were NFL players. And it was a, it was hilarious to see how everyone was all in tune, hoping this guy get his head taken off. Well, that was funny. And he tried to collect – on a bet, a prop bet of $375,000, but the bookies turned them away. Good for those guys. So I'm happy about that. Guys, we're going to take a quick pause. When we come back, we're going to talk about what the HBCU players did in Super Bowl 55 and what Super Bowl 55 meant for the HBCU platform as there were some good things that happened with those guys in regards to Super Bowl 55 and some good news to talk about that. And then we're going to talk about how the schedule, so to speak, for Locker Talk will be. You're listening to Locker Talk on the Bachelor News Radio Network. Hey, welcome back to Locker Talk on the Bachelor News Radio Network, where you hear about NFL stars of tomorrow today. I'm your host, Barry Barnes, founder and CEO of Locker-Report.com, and you guys can always follow me at any one of my social handles on Twitter at Locker underscore report, on Instagram, Locker Report 100, on Facebook, LockerReport.com, and also check out the Locker Talk podcast on Facebook now. But but most importantly, make sure you guys can
I'm Sam Fullwood, a senior fellow at the Center for American Progress and occasional guest on Tell Me More. No public figure made a more positive impression on me than former heavyweight champion Muhammad Ali. Sure, Ali, who was born Cassius Marcellus Clay Jr., was an outstanding boxer. By most accounts, including his own, he is the greatest of all time. But it isn't Ali's power in the ring that I most admire. Ali represents what beautiful, bold black manhood can be. He challenged the leading conventions of his day, including the Christian church, by becoming an acolyte of Malcolm X and joining the Nation of Islam, and he fought and defeated the U.S. government, refusing to bear arms in the Vietnam War. Of course, being a free man has its price, and Ali played dearly. He was denied access to boxing for three and a half years at the prime of his career. Within four years of returning to boxing, he regained the heavyweight title in 1974 with an upset victory over George Foreman. An interviewer later remarked that Ali was the second most popular man in the world behind the president and then asked him if he wanted to be president. Ali told him, America's in too much trouble. I don't want that job now. (laughs) (laughs) That's the Ali I love. He retired from boxing in 1981. He remains an example of what is the greatest in America. All right, welcome back to Locker Talk on the Best News Radio Network, where you hear about NFL starts tomorrow today. I am Barry Barnes, host and founder of Locker-Report.com. Now, make sure you guys always, always check out the Best News Radio Network. You hear me talk about our network all the time. But go to there. You'll hear all kinds of great programming, great um, programming also coming from the Dinosaur Files. I like the Dinosaur Files a lot. The Donaldson Files with Tom Donaldson and Coco Koshny, where they discuss politics from the right and the left while giving you entertainment news and guests. Listen every Tuesday and Wednesday at 6 p.m. to 7 p.m. and on the Bachelor News Radio Network. But if you miss that time, you can always go to that station. Stations are always available on the Bachelor News Radio Network 24 hours a day, so you guys will not miss out. All right, now here we go. Talking about NFL 55, and before we go and talk about on the HBCU side, it was also history made, and I definitely got to talk about this situation because I worked um, with the NFL football operations in regards to the NFL officials, and in this game, Sarah Thomas, down judge Sarah Thomas, she became the first female to officiate a Super Bowl. Now, uh, Ms. Thomas, being around this lady, I can you know give you some solid background. Miss Thomas, she is awesome. She is really cool. You know, I don't want to say that like, she's one of the guys. She's like she's one of the guys for sure, but everyone knows that she's all woman. It's, 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 it's great being around her, the way how she is with the other officials, her and her husband, Brian. Brian is a good guy. Brian is a low-key guy. matter of fact, when we go to the clinics, especially the one in Dallas, you know, when sometimes when the officials, you know, bring their spouses or whatever, you know, the spouses, they always disappear. And Brian is just like all, all of them. Now, he don't hang out with the wives <laughs> of the officials that they're hiding, but Brian stayed to himself, and I was able to talk to him. He's about two times, really cool guy. He's really excited. You know, he's definitely um, uh, Sarah's biggest cheerleader, so to speak. So he 100% support his wife, seeing her on the grind uh, when she's on the field and when she's home prepar- uh, making preparations. She is 100%. 100% professional in what she did. This is not the first time she was able to, you know, break ground and being the first in something because she was also the first uh, female official to officiate to official in a in a big team stadium and also to officiate a major bowl game. 
she was she became the first female full time official in 2017. I was there during that whole time, and and it was like almost like Fort Knox. <laughs> and during that time, Dean Blandino, he was in charge of the officiating that time. And although I wanted to, you know, try to interview her, but I stayed away because I knew the magnitude. All the media folks that was around kept trying to interview and everything, but they had a limit on certain people and certain publications to interview her. Now, I was one of the ones they gave the opportunity to, but, you know, I said, you know what, I'm going to leave it alone. I can always talk to Ms. Thomas, you know, another private time. I didn't have to rush. With me, I don't necessarily have to be the first to break news. I prefer to get it right before being the first one to break. Um, but it was one of those situations that I wanted to give her a space. They would, they really was over, overwhelming her at the clinic, and I didn't want to be a part of that, uh, I would say, that um, that circus. So I stayed away and kept my distance. And then the following year when I was able to talk to her and interview her, she appreciated it. And her and I get along very, very well. So I was really, really happy to see Sarah Thomas on that field. She deserved it. She earned it. And um, she's not something, it's not a situation where because of a Me Too movement or how she was a you know part of it, about how the women is now want to be put in the uh, focal point of being able to lead and being in strong positions. I can honestly say that she was in the forefront long before that whole thing had really transpired. She definitely earned it. She put in her work and she's doing a fantastic, fantastic job and in officiating being a down judge. When she was side, when she was hired, the position that she have now used to be called a head linesman position. But because that word man at the end, they wanted to change it. They wanted to make it more neutral, and that's when they changed from the, the head linesman title to a down judge, and that is the position that she carries now. At first she was a side judge. Now that they made a change, they made her a down judge. So she made history that night and become the first female to officiate a Super Bowl. You listen to Locker Talk on the Bachelor News Radio Network where you hear about NFL stars of tomorrow today. Now, as far as the HBCU platform, this part right here was fantastic. This part was great. Last year, when Alex Brown, defensive back for the Kansas City Chiefs, when he won the Super Bowl um, for Super Bowl 54, he became the first HBCU player to win a Super Bowl since 2013 when uh, Jatavius Jackson, I mean, my fault, Tavares Jackson, quarterback for the Seattle Seahawks, who came from Alabama State. He was the first one to win a Super Bowl since he did. Now, we all know that Jackson, unfortunately, had lost his life in, in a car accident last April. Uh, so we definitely miss him, miss his presence. But he did make history uh, as far as the HBCU player winning a Super Bowl. Uh, Alex Brown was the first one to win one since he did in 2013. So, Coming to this game, we knew at least the opportunity for another HBCU player to win a Super Bowl. It was going to set up where a streak for, for HBCU players to be able to win a Super Bowl was going to definitely start because not only did, it, did the Chiefs have two players in Brown and also Antonio Hamilton, another defensive back who came from the New York Giants, who signed with the Chiefs, he was a part of the Chiefs team. But on the other side of the ball, the Tampa Bay Buccaneers, they had two players from the HBCU platform, both players of Ryan Smith, uh, who was a cornerback from North Carolina Central, and also you had Quentin Bell, linebacker, 
from Prairie View A&M who was on the practice squad. So this uh, Super Bowl 55 guaranteed a streak of HBCU, the HBCU platform of having Super Bowl uh, winners this year. So we knew that was going to happen. Now, Brown did not play. He's, he was injured. But Antonio Hamilton did play. Antonio Hamilton from South Carolina State for the Chiefs, he participated in 24 special team snaps. So he played in 85% of the special team snaps in that matchup. Now, unfortunately, Hamilton had a play in that game that went against the Chiefs uh, right before the Bucks was able to go into overtime when they was ready to set up for a field goal, and Ryan Sucker made the field goal. The Chiefs was caught offside. Yes, Antonio Hamilton was lined up on the left side. Everyone looked at Harmon on the right-hand side, who really wasn't over the ball, but Antonio Hamilton was clearly over the ball, over the line of scrimmage. So he was lined up in the neutral zone offense, and there was only and it was a five-yard penalty. Those five yards gave the Bucks the first down, and next thing you know, Tom Brady's a grunt touchdown, extending the league. So instead of putting three on the board, the Bucks wound up putting seven on the board. So Hamilton was the player that was offside on that play, but nonetheless. He still wasn't in the, um, in the Super Bowl. He had himself a fantastic season. I know these guys look forward and trying to get back next year. So they were able to, you know, walk away not being champions, but they did do something that a lot of players who have played in the NFL were not able to do, and that was to play in a Super Bowl. But on the winner's side, the victor side, Smith, corner, uh, cornerback for the Bucks, he did play in two defensive snaps, and he also played in 21 defensive snaps. That was 78% of the special teams and 3% for the defense side of the ball. So this German-born young African-American man who come from North Carolina Central was able to play in the Super Bowl, did what he was able to do on the field. He did not get any tackles, but he was definitely out there making sure that the Chiefs would not have a home run return in this matchup because the Chiefs are very dangerous in the open field on special teams. And for Smith to be out there to participate and help slow that situation down and to prevent a break, you know, a breakaway return from uh, from from either from Tyreek Hill or Harmon, he was a part of that uh, that core special teams group. So, with that being said, the streak for HBCU platform, the HBCU platform of having Super Bowl champions has started. Now next year. Depending on what happened, we definitely want to monitor. We definitely want to monitor everything that happened with the, the HBCU players. They're in the NFL, so we're going to monitor that. And so we're going to keep that going on. And if the Bucks make it back next year, um, hopefully both Ryan and Quentin Bell will still be a part of that team or if any other players from the HBCU platform are able to come now, I mean, to, you know, to make it to the NFL, which is something that we want to strive, especially on this show, to give highlights on. And speaking of highlights, highlighting what's going to happen for this show, like I said, the playing season is over. The playing season is more of the relaxed season, so to speak, but this is where the work, this is where the rubber meets the road for Locker Talk, where the rubber meets the road for Locker-Report.com when we start to talk about players, evaluating players, getting players recognized and talked about, getting all geared up to 2021 season now. 
Next week on the show, we're going to talk about officiating. I'm going to, you know, highlight some of the good calls, calls that happen towards the end of the season and then probably the final week. Depending on how things smooth, run smooth next week, we probably talk about some of the good on-field calls that had happened during the postseason. And these good on-field calls um, that was not was done without was done without replay. These was good bang bang plays happening on the field. This this game, I, I tell you folks. It's ridiculously fast. It's blurred speed out there. And for these officials to have to deal with what they see with their eyes as fast as this game is and for them to get these calls right, it's something remarkable. So these guys need highlights, and I know these guys enjoy these highlights that are put together for them. So they definitely look forward to it, and I can't wait to talk about it. Now, that's what we're going to talk about in next week's show. Now, the final weeks after that, we will have – some evaluators, some of the guys who I work with with uh, NFL football operations, you know, come on and talk, you know, about the process, the evaluating process. Now, this year there will not be a workout in Indy for us the scouting combine, and most likely probably be like that for the small workouts for the uh, for the H, for the um, for the for the regional combine and perhaps the HBCU. Um, the front office is still trying to decide how they're going to approach that process, and I'll definitely keep your guys in tune for that. However. I will reprise, reprise the players who we talked about early in the year before the season started, the players to watch out for 2021. We're going to talk about those guys, get involved with that, may have another agent to come on and like a talk to talk about what these guys need to do so that they would have the opportunity to go on the right footing to get to the NFL. You're listening to Locker Talk on the Bachelor News Radio Network. And make sure you guys, make sure you guys, please come follow me on all of my social handles on Twitter at Locker underscore reports, on Instagram, Locker Report 100, all small cats, on Facebook, LockerReport.com, and Locker Talk Podcast. But make sure you guys subscribe to Locker Talk on YouTube. And make sure you guys check me out on the Bachelor News Radio Network anytime, 24 hours a day, seven days a week. Everyone stay blessed. I'll talk to you guys next week. Y'all be safe out there.